Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Rotowire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today by John Littering. If you're out there on Twitter, give John a follow at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me at J-A-K-E-S-K-I-5-2. Today we're going to be making our fantasy picks for the UFC 201 main card here. Before we get going, uh, just a reminder that we're kind of starting out still with this MMA podcast, so if you happen to be listening on iTunes or Stitcher, go ahead and please just take a second to rate and review the podcast. We really appreciate it. We'll even commentate your next backyard wrestling match, whatever it takes here. We'd be happy to help or get at us on Twitter with any feedback here. But John, lots been happening in MMA since we last spoke. Of course, we've got PED use with the uh, Lesnar positive test the chad mendez suspension holly holm who was once on top of the world lost another fight darian caldwell one of the better uh bellator fighters he got a big time upset we got the cyborg santos fractured skull i saw today he had a seven hour surgery out of all that or anything else that's happened since 200 what story jumps out at you the most well you know i guess you would have to think it's probably the lesnar news simply because of Mm -hmm. the level of brock's fame with mainstream media, UFC, and WWE. But um, you're right. You know, there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of big news stories. The Darren Caldwell upset you mentioned, 
he was he was something like a minus twelve hundred favorite. It was something insane. It was over a thousand. Yeah, and haven't seen he, that since yeah. Rousey and Holly Holm. Yeah, you you never you you'll see that you know four or five times you know ever if you're a hardcore MMA fan. Um, the home the Holly Holm thing is you know it's four months ago four or five months ago she was champion of the world you know four or five months later she's lost back to back fights and. She's 34 years old, and you don't. You certainly. I as I wrote, I would bet against her fighting for a title again. As as crazy as that sounds at this point, I would. I would. If I had to lay money on it, I would say she will not fight for a title again. And it's kind of gotten to the point where it doesn't look like, at least the way it's set up now, that we're ever gonna. At least unless something's gonna have to change. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. In order for us to see a Holly Holm Ronda Rousey rematch, because right how, how things are set now, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it would almost have to be Rousey coming back against Nunez and then winning and then getting Holm, but that's getting so far ahead of ourselves at this point. For the record, though, I got to give Holm credit for continuing to fight. She could have just sat around and waited on a Rousey rematch, but like you said, who knows when and if that'll ever happen. So uh, good for her for fighting. A couple of tough breaks there, but uh, nonetheless, you got to respect the game. Yeah, it's and like I said, it's you, people. You know, fighters deserve credit for taking fights where they have nothing to gain, and that was the case with Holly. She had nothing to gain by taking that fight. It didn't work out, um, and now you know she's going to have to regroup. But um, the biggest story, I, you know, I, I think it has to be the the Brock Lesnar news. Mm-hmm. You know, the Chad Mendez story to me is crazy because that has been talked about. Nobody has talked about that at all. If you look around, no, you know, you see no one talking about that, which is crazy to me. Um, Chad Mendez got, I believe, it was a two-year suspension yep. for his um, for his you know positive test, and you know, no one is talking about that because it just pales in comparison to how big of a star Brock is. And mm-hmm. you know, they tested you know, Brock tested positive twice, you know, for, 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 right for a pre-fight test, then his you know test the fight the night of the fight he tested mm-hmm. positive for that so he, you know he i guess you would kind of have to say at this point i guess i would be surprised if brock ever fought again too right i mean yeah oh I guess yeah you have to say that you know god knows when this mm-hmm. when it, this plays through all you know all the suspension you know the suspension is announced and it mm-hmm. goes through the nevada state athletic commission and all that you know i i don't know i i would bet against Brock ever fighting in the UFC again I think you have to at this yeah, point I agree I think he'll take his two and a half million dollar purse and run I mean if he gets suspended two years he'll be 41 by the time this is all said and done here so yeah I wouldn't bet on him coming back again it was fun while it lasted to see yeah, him but he, a little bit he doesn't, he doesn't if he's not going to apply for another license again there's no point in paying a fine or anything just suck you know just take take the penalty and move on who cares yep. it's not going to affect it's not going to affect his WWE career at all yeah, no, not at all. Of course, WWE, uh, maybe just a little bit more lenient than USADA here. All right. But let's get on to the uh, 201 card, the one that's coming up this Saturday from Atlanta. I mean, we originally had a, uh, it was supposed to be two title fights, the welterweight championship and a flyweight championship. Uh, Mighty Mouse got hurt, so that flyweight championship got knocked from the co-main event here. But uh, let's let's get going with the, with the main event. It's a welterweight champion. You've got champion Robbie Lawler going up against Tyrone Woodley, the challenger. On DraftKings, Lawler is 10600 Woodley is 9000 So you get uh, Woodley at a significant discount there. Uh, the other thing that I found intriguing is, is 
when we posted our column on uh, on Wednesday, Lawler was a minus 200 favorite and Woodley was a plus 170 favorite. But looking at the odds now, the money is shifting back towards Woodley a little bit. Robbie Lawler looking about minus 145, minus 150 across the board. Tyrone Woodley plus 125. It's going to be a good fight, I think. Of course, easily the best one on the card here. Uh, how do you kind of see this one playing out? Well, you know, we talked about this in the past here. It kind of seems like the UFC, whenever there are two title fights on a card, and I'm not talking about cards like UFC 200 or whatever it is they're going to do in New York in November, your average UFC car pay-per-view that has two title fights, it seems like the UFC feels that the, that, that will carry the card, mm-hmm. and as a result, they don't have to put a, a lot of other big-name fighters on the card. And, but then the downside of that is you end up with a card like this where the second title fight gets canceled and now you have a mess. Um, and you're right. This is by far the best fight on the card. It's it, it's really the only fight that I think will interest a casual fan, a fan who doesn't you know, know a lot about the sport and just you know enjoys watching big events. I took Lawler in this fight and this is – a hard fight to break down because Robbie Lawler, and it's crazy to me at least when you think about it, Robbie Lawler went from a guy who was you know, more or less roster depth. You know, he wasn't going anywhere to a guy who is now one of the longest reigning champions in the company. Yeah. Which is to me it's it's just my it's mind boggling how much better this guy has got. You know, his last three fights He's defeated Carlos Condit, Roy McDonald, and Johnny Hendricks. I mean, that's you know three of the best in the world mm-hmm. at good this weight class. Yeah, but the reason I pick Lawler is mostly because I you know, and the the other I think the key here is all of those fights. Robbie Lawler has gotten his butt whipped. He has taken. I mean, the the McDonald fight especially. Yeah, one of the better fights of all time, that one yes. with McDonald at uh, UFC 189, which proved to be one of the best cards in recent memory. But Robbie Lawler has proven that he can get his butt whipped and take a pounding and still figure out a way to win. Mm-hmm. And in the the, Lull, the Condit and the Hendricks fight were both split decisions, and I thought Lawler won both of them. They were close, but I thought mm-hmm. he won both of them. And... You can make an argument that in both and the McDonald fight too, which he you know he's topped McDonald in the fifth. But in all those fights, Robbie knew that the fights were close, and he had to turn it on late. It mm-hmm. seems like if you start hitting him and it turns into a bloody mess, that he turns into a better fighter. Which for a guy who is thirty four years old and has been around as long as he is, is to me is quite remarkable. Yes, no, yeah. Lawler and Woodley both thirty four years old, so you've got a little bit of uh, you know equality there. And I just worry a little bit about the wear and tear of Lawler. I mean, we got Woodley here, who he hasn't fought since January 31st, 2015. That was a split decision win over Kelvin Gastelum. So the ring rust could be a factor here for for Woodley. But I also think at 34, Woodley's going to go for broke. This is his first title shot in the UFC, if you don't count any of the strike force stuff. Could very well be his only title shot at 34 years old. You got to imagine he's going to go for broke in the first couple rounds, right? You would think so. You know, I've said as I wrote, I think Tyron Woodley has more vicious one-punch knockout power than Robbie Lawler does. Mm -hmm. That being said, Lawler is a better striker in the sense that he puts combinations together better. 
he moves better on the feet. His he's a crisper striker. I guess is the easiest way to say it. So I think Woodley's best chance of winning this fight is probably the wrestler. You know, he, that is his background. He has, he has a background in wrestling, former Division One wrestler. But you know, Robbie Waller's takedown defense has always been pretty underrated. It's the strength of his game. You don't see it a lot because Robbie, you know, usually prefers to stand and trade. So we rarely see Waller having to use his takedown defense. But um, his takedown defense for his UFC careers, you know, about 67%, which is good. But, not you know, not elite, but, you know, above average. And Robbie, Robbie just relies on throwing so many combinations and so much on the feet that he keeps you honest in the sense that he won't let you go for a takedown because you're constantly worried that he's going to just pound you on the feet. Mm-hmm. So, so without a doubt, Lawler is your pick in this one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he is. And this is a close fight and it's in a, put it this way in a day and age where we're seeing more title fights that seem lopsided in the sense that you have a, you know, a clear cut winner this isn't one of those, but I think Lawler certainly deserves to be the favorite. And again, though, these are two guys who, while they both have a ton of power, have both been involved in you know long fights that have gone to a decision. So I expect it to be a good, entertaining fight, but it makes for a tough DraftKings play for both of them because you know you're when you're you know when you put someone in your DraftKings lineup, you're hoping for a quick finish. That that's how you you know that's how you're making your money. So. Mm-hmm. In that sense, you know, I think both these guys are a little risky, but I think Lawler's going to win. Yes. Now, this might be one. I think it's the only one on the main card where we're going to find where we're going to disagree a little bit. I do see where you're coming from with Lawler, and I think if the fight gets into the third round and beyond, Lawler does win. He'll find a way to win a decision, outlast Woodley, or, or just finish him late once Woodley presumably gasses out. I think I'm going to give the edge to Woodley in this one. I know he's got the layoff. But I just look at Lawler and all those wars that he's been in at 34. I feel like he might be a little bit of an older 34 than Woodley after, I mean, four fights in a row that have gone five rounds. I think, like I said, I think Woodley's going to go for broke. And I think I'm going to pick him in this fight. I've struggled with this all week. Uh, I can understand seeing Lawler win the fight. I absolutely would absolutely wouldn't be surprised by that. Uh, but I like your DraftKings point that you mentioned. If you're going to use pick this fight and put one of these in your DraftKings lineup, it almost has to be Woodley because that's where the finish is going to be, and he's only 9,000, so that gives you a little bit of freedom to do with the rest of your lineup. The odds to finish of this one are minus 215, which I thought was a little bit high considering Lawler's recent decisions and tendencies to get in wars, but I think we're going to differ on this one. I'm going to lean towards Woodley a little bit uh, just because it'll, it'll help me with the DraftKings lineup, and I do like the underdog. Now, the problem is you're not going to be able to find him at plus 170 anymore because the money's moved his way a little bit. So uh, you know, I, I don't feel the greatest about it, but I think I'm going to put my head in for uh, for Woodley in this fight. Yeah, I mean, this is, and again, we should, obviously we should point out, Draft King, the, when Dra- DraftKings post their salaries, the salaries don't change. Those, mm-hmm. you know, those are set. But uh, as you just mentioned, you know, Vegas odds do change, uh, you know, based on the money that's coming in. So, you know, if you're the type of person who, you know, puts money down on fights as opposed to DraftKings. If you are looking at odds and mm-hmm. you know you see an, a, a you know a line that you like, get in on that because yep. it's it, it could easily change depending on where the money comes in moving forward. Yeah, you don't see this very often, but I think in this this is a rare situation where Lawler might be the better money line bet. 
but Woodley's the better DraftKings play. I, I think that's how I'd, I'd pin that one down. But uh, let's move on to the co-main event here. Again, supposed to be uh, Mighty Mouse Johnson against Wilson Reese. That got scrapped. Reese is still on the card later, further down here. But it's been replaced with a women's strawweight uh, matchup here between Rose Namahunas and Carolina Kowalkiewicz, if I said that right here. Uh, Namahunas, uh, 10800 Carolina, 8600 So near bottom barrel pricing. These odds haven't changed a ton. Namahunas, a heavy favorite here, minus 230. Uh, Carolina, plus 190 here. The odds to finish on this one are plus 155. It's uh, one of the two fights on the main card here with uh, where, where a finish is actually not expected, according to Vegas here. You said in your DraftKings column, John, that you're probably staying away from this fight on DraftKings here. Do you want to explain that reasoning? Um, yeah, and it's pretty much for the main reason um, for what you just said. This, to me, at least lines up as a fight that could very easily go the distance. It strikes me as that kind of fight. For her entire career, I have underestimated and not given Rose Namajunas the credit that she deserves. It has gotten to the point where I think it's pretty obvious that she is the third best welterweight in the world. Uh, welterweight, excuse me, flyweight, uh, strawweight, women's strawweight in the world. Mm-hmm. I, no flyweight she, division yet. Maybe getting uh, there. No fighters are clamoring tough. for it. It's not there yet. But, um, you know, I would not pick Rose over champion Joanna Jacek. I would not pick Rose over former number one contender Claudia Gadea. I wouldn't pick her over either of them. Mm-hmm. But I certainly think she's the third best strawweight in the world. And yeah. she she just, she does, her strength is her wrestling and submission game. She she looks, obviously, all strawweights are small, but mm-hmm. Rose looks very tiny. She looks very, fra- fra- I don't know if frail is the right word, but mm-hmm. she's very lean, let's put it that way. And she's very strong. If she gets her arms wrapped around you, she is going to drag you to the mat. And as I wrote in my column, my guess is that if she w- she wins this fight, she is going to fight for a title at some point within the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. Because who I think is better than Rose, has already come fought Joanna twice and lost twice. So they can't go they can't do that again. Mm-hmm. So they gotta find someone else. And this is another fight that it's this is a really good fight, but for the co-main event of a pay-per-view, this is not the kind of fight that is going to mm-hmm. excite the average fan. Um yeah, this might be a good co-main for like a fight night card or a Fox yes. card, but not, probably not yeah, for a pay-per-view. I think that's a good way to sum it up. Carolina has not been in the UFC for very long. She only has two fights. Mm-hmm. Um, December, she beat Randa Marcos, who was good. Randa Marcos is good, although she's struggling right now. And in May, she beat Heather Joe Clark, who was pretty much nothing but roster depth. So it's safe to say that this is going to be by far the biggest test of her career. Mm-hmm. Um Carolina is she's a striker. Um, her strength is her Muay Thai. So if Rose is dumb enough to stand there and get involved in a 15-minute kickboxing match, I suppose she has a chance. But mm-hmm. I would be really surprised if Rose went that route. Um, I expect constant pressure. She never gets t- Rose never gets tired. So you know she's just going to be on Carolina from the opening bell. So yeah. I think this is a pretty clear-cut decision as far as who I like to win. But like you said, I, I'm not crazy about this fight from a DraftKings perspective mm-hmm. because as both the Vegas eyes, you know, that prop that you just mentioned, this looks to me like a fight that has the distance written all over it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, Rose has been rolling of late. She's got momentum on her side. Much better resume with three straight wins over Angela Hill, Paige Van Zant, and Tesha Torres most recently. I think we can both agree that she'll be keeping that momentum rolling and fighting Joanna for a title in late 2016, early 2017. So I think that's on the table here. But like I think we're agreeing on this too, one to stay away from on DraftKings because a third-round decision where Namahunas is wrestling a lot at 10,800, there's just not a lot of value to be had here. But let's move on here to the welterweight bout. We've got Matt Brown at 10,900 going up against Jake Ellenberger at 8,500. Brown, a pretty heavy Vegas favorite at minus 325. Ellenberger plus 265. So if you think Ellenberger can squeak one out here, there's some money to be made here. But I'm not necessarily feeling that uh, from the sense I got from you. I mean, Brown's a little bit of an older fighter. We're expecting to finish here because Vegas has it at minus 290 here. You want to break this one down for us, John? You know, this simple, this, this, I can sum this up really simply. Um, Matt Brown had a really nice run, you know, where I believe he won, I want to say he won, I believe he won seven fights in a row. But as soon as Matt Brown started facing better competition, everything went downhill. Mm-hmm. Brown hits hard, he has power, he's a well-conditioned athlete, and he's tough as anyone in the company, but he's limited athletically. He's limited in what he can do against better fighters. So as I'm busy saying what Brown can't do, the positive for Brown is he's facing a guy in Jake Ellenberger on Saturday who I think is done. It, done in the sense that I think he's going to lose this fight I think he's going to be released. That's that's how done I think Jake Ellenberger is. He has Ellenberger has been so bad of late that even at that discount price, there is no way in a million years that I think you can ever use him at all in any lineup. He's one and five in his last six fights. Now, granted, the losses have come against McDonald, Lawler, Kelvin Gastelum, Stephen Thompson, and Tarek Safadine. So all five losses are against guys who right now uh, you would have to say are all top ten welterweights. Mm-hmm. Which begs the question, if you need a win so badly, I know guy, I know these guys are competitors and like, and like to fight the best guys put in front of him. But and part of this is on Joe Silva, UFC matchmaker too. Why are you putting a guy who is you know clearly on the downside of his career against all these top guys? You know you sh- that shouldn't be happening. So I just I I Ellenberger has been so terrible lately that until he shows me something, I don't think you can use. Him. I don't think you can put him in and pray for an upset. I would a hundred million percent stay away from him until he shows me something else. And if he loses this fight, I think he's going to be released, at which point, obviously, he's not going to show us anything because he's not going to be on the roster anymore. Yeah, maybe he'll so, be showing us something for, yeah, for Bellator or yeah. something along so those lines. I, I think this is pretty clear-cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said before, I would not be picking Matt Brown against... I'm not even sure Matt Brown is a top-10 welterweight anymore himself, but he certainly appears to have way more left in the tank than Ellenberger does at this point. Mm-hmm. Ellenberger's back is once again against the wall, and and who knows what the future lies for him. But I think uh, this is another one that we can both agree on. Matt Brown, probably the lock of the night when it comes to it. He's one of the biggest favorites, uh, definitely the biggest favorite on the main card there. So I think we're both w- rolling with uh, Matt Brown in, in this fight, and, and with good reason based on the history that we've had here. 
But uh, moving forward here, we got a bantamweight matchup here between Francisco Rivera and Eric Perez. This one, a virtual tie in terms of DraftKings salaries. We got 9700 for both of these fighters here. Uh, the Vegas odds here's got Rivera at a slight underdog, plus 105. Perez, minus 125. The odds to finish on this, minus 130. Uh Perez, kind of an up-and-comer, I guess you could say. He's only 26. Rivera is 34. So, there's, I mean, it, it projects to be a close fight. Is it close enough that you would stay away from it on DraftKings, or is there a way you can find an edge in this bout? I, I, think, I think you can find an edge because I think Perez is a better fighter than Rivera, especially, as you said, at this point in their careers. Rivera is the kind of guy who... He's a lot like Diego Sanchez in the sense that every single fight he's in is entertaining because all he does is just stand and bang with his opponents. Mm -hmm. The problem is four out of the last five times he's done it, he's lost. So, you know, it's great to be entertaining and, you know, to try and please the fans, but at some point you have to win fights. And he's one in four in his last five fights. And he's a Rivera is another guy whose job could be on the line in this fight. Yeah. And it's not like he had the greatest resume as far as the, the 11 wins that he collected before that. So, I mean, and, and the losses have been to names like Uriah Faber, John Lineker, Brad Pickett here. Uh, so, I mean, I do like the tendency to stand and bang because I think he might have more DraftKings potential if he lands a lucky shot. But overall, this might be one I'll, I'll try to stay away from on DraftKings because, I mean, do you think Perez does have a good chance to get an early finish here? Can he hit value at 9,700? You know, I put it this way. I certainly think Perez is going to win the fight. I think Rivera is a better DraftKings play because any Rivera win would almost certainly come early because he would just he just throws so much that, you know, you would think he, if he's going to win, it should be via in or some kind of early stoppage. So from a DraftKings perspective, I actually think Rivera might be the better play. Mm-hmm. But if you start getting towards a Vegas odds perspective and a money line perspective, I think Perez is going to win. Yeah, yeah, right on here. Uh, I don't know if I've quite seen enough of, of Rivera of late to be able to pick him to win. So I, I think we're right exactly in agreement here. I, I'm still torn. I'm going to post our staff picks article a little bit later on, and uh, it'll have the official ones. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up leaning towards Perez in this one here. Uh, but let's let's check the opening bout of the pay-per-view card here. We've got a flyweight matchup between Ian McCall against uh, essentially an up-and-comer in Justin Scoggins here. You can find McCall at a pretty cheap price at 9000 Scoggins at 10400 here. Uh, the Vegas odds, looking like McCall, a pretty big underdog, plus 205, Scoggins minus 245. This is the other fight on the main card where the odds to finish are just plus 165, potentially limiting your potential from a DraftKings standpoint. Uh, like I said, it's it's the story of kind of a veteran. McCall's 34 years old against a, uh, a relatively newcomer, but but good, solid prospect in Scoggins at 24 years old. Uh, do you, can you see an upset happening here? Do we have Ian McCall uh, kind of retaining where he's at right now, or is he just another stepping stone for Scoggins as he hopefully gets a quest at Mighty Mouse? No, you know, this is my upset pick. You know, I, I'm taking McCall on this fight, and every DraftKings lineup you put together, you have to find some upset mm-hmm. somewhere, and this is this is one of my big one. Ian McCall is a perennially underrated flyweight. Um, he's 32 years old, so certainly not as young as Scoggins. 
But Ian McCall's last six fights, he's two, three, and one. The draw came against Mighty Mass Johnson. So anybody who could take Mighty Mass to a draw, no, you know, that should tell you right. Mighty Mass, who I think we both agree right now, you'd have to say is by far the best pound for pound fighter in the world. Um, so anybody who could take Mighty Mass to a draw, he, you know, he fought Mighty Mass again, and although he lost, it went the distance. So he's fought Mighty Mass twice, once to a draw, second time he took him to the distance. Ian McCall is just a good all-around fighter. Um, now, the, pro- the thing I'm concerned about is McCall hasn't fought since January 2015. Mm-hmm. So, so Very similar. I think that was the same event, actually, as uh, Tyrone Woodley's last event, January yes, 2015. It was. And both of them, both McCall and Woodley, had fights later in 2015 they were supposed to be involved in mm-hmm. and were canceled for you know, um, McCall's because he was injured, Woodley's because... Johnny Hendricks couldn't safely cut the weight to get to the welterweight limit. Mm-hmm. So my that's my biggest concern here about McCall is that it's been a long time since he fought. And, you know, regardless of what Dominic Cruz says, octagon rust is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominic, in case you don't know, Dominic Cruz has stated in the past that, Octi- uh, especially he's a perfect guy to say this because he spent so long on the sidelines with all his injuries. He, Dominic Cruz has stated that octagon rust is just a mental thing and it doesn't exist. And, um, you know, I think we all pretty much agree. That's not true. There is some, some level to, uh, you know, to not be in there. Um, you could spar all you want. It's not the same as fighting an opponent. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm a little worried about, you know, McCall not being out there for a while, but you know, Scott, he's facing Scoggins who 24 years old developing, but again, a guy who during his UFC career has been inconsistent, four and two. So obviously a good record. His last fight against Ray Borg in February was his best performance. Ray Borg is a very, very good flyweight prospect. Scoggins won that fight easily via decision. But again, this is I think this is one of those fights where you have to look at the numbers. Justin Scoggins average averages nearly four and a half takedowns a fight. That is what his game is based on. He's a wrestler. Ian McCall's takedown defense throughout his UFC career is nearly 89%, which is an insanely high number. So, you know, this is, you have, like I said earlier, you have to pick an upset, you have to pick an upset somewhere. And this is one where I think McCall is getting overlooked because he hasn't fought in so long. And I think his, McCall's takedown defense which is, you know, going to be really key against the guy in Scoggins who has a wrestling background. McCall's takedown defense throughout his USC career has been terrific. So um, I think McCall, I, I like McCall in this fight. Um, I think this is one of those fights where you can certainly make a good, even if you don't think McCall's going to win, I certainly think he's the better value. I happen to, you know, as I said, I think he's going to win outright, but um I think you every, you must agree that he's at least, a, at the very least, a quality value play. Yeah, I could very much see him as a value play. I think if picking the fight straight up, I'm going to go with the younger Scoggins, but I just don't like the way that I think he's going to win. I think he'll try to get takedowns and ride out a decision. And like we've talked about with the whole show, that's not very conducive to DraftKings. So you're going to go with McCall. I'm going to roll Scoggins on this one here. You can check out our staff pick article on the website later today here. But 
this brings us to uh, the next topic here, trying to pick a DraftKings value play of, of the day. Um, you want to try to find some value because, like you said, you can't just pick all favorites. Uh, you have you pick five fighters with the $50,000 budget, so that's 10000 a fighter. And, like, going to the example, if you want to take Robbie Lawler, he's ten six. If you want to take Matt Brown, he's 10900 So you take those big favorites, you've got to pick one Sometimes two and even sometimes three upsets, depending on the big favorites here. So is McCall your your big value play that you're going to be using in your lineups, or is there any other values that you see on here? You know, McCall is my big value play from a, the sense that I think he's the underdog who I think has the best chance of pulling the upset. Now, obviously I get asked a lot who I think my value plays are for each um, individual event, and this is going to sound strange, but my one va- my big my other value play for this card is a guy who's a favorite, which doesn't happen often, and um, that's Nikita Krylov, who's going to fight Ed Herman. Krylov is in at ten thousand two hundred. Herman is in at nine thousand two hundred. Um, and I, when I saw these odds, uh, not not the I well, actually both the odds and the DraftKings salaries, I thought they were both misprints. Um, Nikita Krylov. For those of you who don't know, started his UFC career at heavyweight. Um, he was undersized at heavyweight. He had a hard time. Um, he's been fighting at light heavyweight ever since. He's won four fights in a row, three of them via submission, one of them via knockout. The guy has looked like an absolute savage. Mm-hmm. And he's taking on a guy in Ed Herman who defeated Tim Bosch in his last fight. But, you know, other than that, has been more or less roster depth for his entire career. Um, I was very, very, very surprised that the both the odds and the DraftKings salaries in this fight were this close. I would have guessed that Krylov would have been closer to, you know, 10,700, 10,800 mm-hmm. than the 10,200 that he's at. And um, as far as the Vegas odds go... Krylov, Krylov was minus one fifty five. I would have thought he would have been more at minus two thirty, minus two forty, somewhere in that area. So looking at it now, I mean that's actually what he's moved to. I think the money's corrected itself a little bit in Vegas because I'm seeing minus two twenty five, minus two thirty across the board. I do see one outlier at minus one ninety and another minus two oh five, but overall the money's moving back towards Krylov so, as it should be. Yeah, as the so while the like we said earlier, while the money might move, the DraftKings salaries aren't moving. Mm-hmm. As soon his as Draft- one person enters a contest, there's no more changing of salaries, so those are locked his, in. Yep, his DraftKings salary is going to be ten thousand two hundred, mm-hmm. and, and yep. that seems um, that um, that seems stunningly. It's just like I said before, that seems stunningly low to me to the point where I thought it was a misprint. But you know, when you take into account the Vegas, you know, the Vegas odds, which is what. DraftKings kind of goes, but you know, takes into account when they put mm-hmm. these salaries together. Yeah, it's um, that and fantasy points per game. You know, they kind of put that as their uh, next to it when you're putting together a lineup here. And so, fighters that have had a stretch of knockouts might have a little bit higher salary than someone who is winning by decision consistently. So, like I said, Krylov has won four fights in a row. They've all been, you know, via either mm-hmm. first, you know, first or second round stoppages. So. That you know, what else can you ask for when you're trying to put together a DraftKings lineup? So yeah, it's not often that you know my one of my great value plays is a guy who's already favored, but um, that's the case in this one. Um, I like Krylov in a big, big way in this fight. 
Exactly. See, this leads us perfectly into the next question I was going to ask you, and that's the undercard fight worth tuning in for, because this Krylov fight isn't on the main card, and this was going to be my pick for the undercard fight worth tuning in for, mainly for two reasons here. The odds to finish are minus 350. That's by far the biggest on the card here, so big favorite to finish here. And of course, Krylov never once in his entire professional fighting career, he's fought 24 times, never once has he let it get to a decision here. So that's my pick for the fight of the night. And I agree with you uh, as far as the salary being a bit too low there. I think that's definitely, you're going to see super high ownership due to that fact, but it's also something you almost need to put him in your lineup because it doesn't really set you back too much. But aside from that prelim fight, is there any other prelim fight that really jumps out at you? I, I mean, I'm looking forward to the Ross Pearson or Hey Masvidal fight mm-hmm. simply because two two guys who are you know both veterans of the sport, but also two guys who really just enjoy standing and getting in there and just banging with their opponents. Mm-hmm. Both Pearson, Pearson especially, but both Pearson and Masvidal, two guys who just love to mix and, and trade. So I think from and to be honest, on this card, there this is probably also the undercard fight that are the two biggest names to you know mm-hmm. casual MMA fans. Both Pearson and Masvidal are are fairly well known fighters, so I think I think that will help draw eyeballs to this fight. But as it should, because I, I think this is just from not looking at it from a DraftKings perspective or an odds perspective. I think this is just the undercard fight that is probably has the best chance of being the most entertaining mm-hmm. yeah so i think we can both agree it's it's definitely going to be worth our time to tune in a little bit early for the prelims at least catching the last two here on saturday night from atlanta first time a pay-per-view has been on the east coast in quite some time so uh absolutely worth turn, tuning into for quite a while on saturday well that'll do it for the rotowire mixed martial arts podcast ufc 201 saturday in atlanta georgia for john littering I am Jake Latarski. One last time, please rate and review the pod if you can. Give John a follow on Twitter, at John Littering. You can give me a follow at Jakeski52. We'll be back with you prior to the Conor McGregor-Nate Diaz rematch at UFC 202 on August 20th. Thanks for joining me, John, and take care. All right, looking forward to it. Talk to you soon.